Welcome back to another episode of the Gush Podcast, the long-awaited sequel to three weeks ago's episode. Mm. Yeah, people have been waiting. People have been messaging me, and like, yeah, they're asking on the streets, "Where's the new Gush at, man? When's the Gush? When's the next Gush? When's the next Gush?" And I'm just like, "Hold on." People want to know what would happen if the next Gush didn't come out. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> so, how did your how was your morning routine today? What did you do? Um, I heard an interesting bit of news about the CVD-19 vaccine. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Um, there was, I don't know if you, you saw this, but there was like a, an interview with a nurse who had just taken the vaccine and they were asking her questions. And then when she was answering them, she suddenly goes, my head hurts and then faints. Bruh. <laughs> so fuck, she got an allergic reaction. That's so fucking scary, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm not taking the vaccine unless I'm like, actually, I'm just not going to take it. Uh, I don't take the flu well, vaccine. I'm not getting the launch, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not here on launch day for the vaccine. Mm. I'll maybe get like version two or three <laughs> or something. Yeah. I'll get the patch. Yeah. You know, like when cyberpunk is a full game, something like that. Yeah. You know? No, it is. I'm not taking the vaccine until Cyberpunk is not has no bugs left. Okay. It is comparable because you know people. I think they wanted this vaccine to be rushed out. They really did, and yeah. this is the first time we've had a coronavirus vaccine, as far as I'm aware. <clears throat> At least that's what I heard. Well, this is just the first time we've had a vaccine in general made this quickly, mm-hmm. and also, uh, if if it's not the first, it's got to be one of the first RNA based vaccines that we've done. Yeah, I think it is the first, though. There's a lot of, you know, ambiguity and questions in terms of how well-made and, like, how people will react to it. Like, I think it's totally reasonable to be skeptical about taking it in the first patch, you know? Yeah. In the first batch, patch, whatever you want to call it. It just makes sense to wait a little bit mm-hmm. for me. I, I And I'm not going to, you know condemn anyone who wants to take it right away that's totally cool and if anything i thank them for uh, their service thank you for your service yeah yeah totally right i personally am just too cautious yeah i uh sometimes i like to start off my day on the computer with a little bit of halo get the creative juices flowing kind of lock onto my target so i can get (laughs) the topics that we're talking about locked on as well i find that it helps um, of course, if you lose all the games in Halo, then you just suck at the podcast the rest of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think I'm coming to terms with the fact that I am really overstimulated with dopamine and I don't even realize it because my I'm going to be totally just out frank, out, outright honest. Out frank, baby. I'm going to be frank. I'm going to be gym. wake up morning. Good breakfast. Coffee. Okay, then I hop on the computer. I'm all jagged up in the head on caffeine. <laughs> and then I do some... You don't even realize it. I do some semblance of working on a script. Okay, let me do a little bit of editing. Okay, playtime, you know. It's like, okay, game time now. I did five minutes of work. Time to reward myself. Whatever. I do a cycle of that. Maybe I go exercise, do something in real life. And then... How long does that last, by the like, way? Like, how long is uh, work? <clears throat> and then how long does work last before you do game time? It depends. Because some days I won't even touch a game. And that's when I'm really proud of myself. It's like I fought off the urge. And then sometimes it's like, well... You know, when you're writing a script, it's very... Um, it's almost like the progress is very... Uh, what's the word? Justifiable. Like, it's like, oh, you did one paragraph, did one section, or you did like... Yeah. It's like, oh, that's good. That's that's equal to a game. Yeah. I could play a game now. And then at night, you know, I just sit in calls with <laughs> with you and other other friends for hours and we just talk and I mean sometimes we talk about business or whatever, but um business. Yeah, I mean just ideas. More like creative stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I gotta get better at Interesting. That, yeah. <clears throat> for me, uh my cycle also has a huge flaw in the beginning, but it's very different from yours. For me, I wake up and the first thing I do when I'm like, you know, conscious or whatever is that I'll grab my phone and I'll start looking at Twitter and stuff like that. Get on social media and that's the real killer because I get stuck in bed Mm. looking at Twitter, looking at just stupid shit, watching YouTube videos. (laughs) 
it's like an hour before I leave my bed at least. Yeah. A, a lot of the time, which I think is really bad. That's rough. But then after that, I will eat breakfast and I will actually do work. I, I'll I'll be like, okay, now is work time, and I'll do work for like at least five hours. Okay, so you actually separate them pretty well. That's good. Yeah. The problem is that I shouldn't be doing the social media thing first. Mm. I, I I should wait until after I've done the work. Yeah. It's so hard. I just like, when you're in. I don't know something about waking up and being in bed and just the phone is right there and it's like Twitter is so accessible yeah. and. Because you want to be know, caught it's up. It's good. your morning newspaper. That's what it is. It's your morning news. Yeah, but it's like so much worse than the newspaper for you because it's like it sinks its teeth into mm. you and just does not let go. Yeah, you didn't get notifications with the newspaper. No, and I didn't have like a never-ending feed of information and controversies and drama and memes and yeah, the whole shebang. And it wasn't like – and it's like the, the morning news show is now YouTube, which is like whatever the fuck I want to watch hmm. and whoever uploaded something that day. And, and there's Discord and it's just like – really not healthy yeah i was thinking about for a future video doing a, a fast from the internet for a week where i just don't use the internet and then like write about it or film it or whatever and just see how how i feel at the end of the week could be could be interesting i think i think that would be cool i think it'd be honestly well it'd be really fucking hard i but. guess it's not it's I was going to say, like, it would be even cooler if it was longer than a week, but maybe that's not even reasonable to ask of a YouTuber right. to be, like, away from the internet for that long. Yeah. Come on, man. I'm a, I'm a YouTuber. You can't expect me to be away from the internet. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it, honestly, a week away from just Twitter is, like, kind of a big deal. It's people are going to be like, where's Glink? Oh, man. I did that once. I spent, uh, actually, it was more like five days, but this was Close enough. back when... Uh, this guy, who I'm not going, who will remain unnamed. Um, Whoa! Oh, he, I know exactly. Yeah, they about. leveraged a insulting label on me that is, let's just say, it's like racist. They basically called me racist. Okay, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this, because I was so. Uh, well, it was like a former friend of mine who basically just like you know, I tried to label me a certain way for their audience. And I felt like I was being, it almost felt like I was being canceled, even though it wasn't like that much of a gravity behind it. But I just didn't, I didn't like it. And it was bullshit. I remember that it was totally bullshit. as yeah, as many of these things are not all of them, I guess, but most of them. Yeah. And so I took a break from Twitter and um, yeah, I mean, it was Twitter's a fucking rough one to, uh, take a break from because you're so used to like checking that every two seconds for that dopamine hit of the notification bell. And like, even when we're just talking, sometimes my natural inclination is to just oh go over to the tab of notifications on Twitter and just, Oh, who's doing what? I don't even care, but I'm just like doing it out of habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's bad. It's like, I always do that thing where I'm like, all right, that's enough Twitter. What else is on? And I just open Twitter again. Oh, it's man. Like, God damn it. Yes, it's, it's like, so it's instant. It's so ingrained in me. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of... And I used to do that with a lot of websites, too, before I was... Oh, yeah, Twitter. but those ones are way more, way cooler than Twitter. No, one of them was Reddit. That's definitely Okay, not Reddit is not... Twitter. Yeah, Reddit, no. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of um, drama and things to check in the morning on Twitter, uh, I think we should talk a bit about the... Nintendo uh, ruling or whatever you want to call it policy. Why don't yeah, you lay okay. the groundwork uh, for that? I don't know what you mean by ruling, but there is something about Nintendo that I want to talk about, which is uh, the free melee, safe smash stuff versus consumerism with a double O. <laughs> uh, and you and we, uh, Emp Lemon made a tweet about it the other day. Uh, he has he spoken. Did make a tweet. Yeah, he made a tweet today that was, like, jokingly apologizing for it. I don't think he's actually apologizing. I think he's just joking, but whatever. But anyways, not, the point is, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, it's recently... I mean, it's hard not to know this, but it's a lot of news about Nintendo has come out recently, where it's turned out that in the, for competitive Smash, Nintendo has been doing all sorts of sneaky, shady things to prevent third-party companies from investing in Smash... At no expense to Nintendo. They just didn't want to let it happen. And they pretty much completely ruined uh, competitive smashes. Both they sabotaged and it. 
ultimate. Yeah, they, they sabotaged, as the name of my fucking video, they <laughs> sabotaged their, all of their esports, really. And, and uh, yeah, they sabotaged Smash in a way that it could have been this huge thing where all the players make so much money, but they just completely cut that. And it's a very known Behind fact the scenes. that most Smash players do not make many, very much money at all. And a lot of uh, teams have dropped out and all this stuff. And there was there was all this stuff. There was so much more. I'm not going to get into all of it. The point is that Nintendo has recently proven to be pretty fucking shitty to its fans. And a lot of people got upset about it. They were doing, you know, hashtag free melee, hashtag save smash. It's in my Twitter name. I made a video about it where I literally tell Nintendo to go fuck themselves. Go check it out if you haven't. It's called Leaker Reveals Nintendo Secretly Sabotaging Esports. Anyways, and then... You know, you see everyone saying, fuck Nintendo, blah, blah, blah. But then suddenly, Nintendo says, hey, new character for Smash Ultimate, Sephiroth. And everyone's like, oh my god, Sephiroth, oh, so good. I love you, Nintendo, blah, blah, blah. And then oh my god, look at him shirtless. It. Someone consider- and then you see someone like Emblem, and he, he criticizes the, the, the lack of backbone that people are having. And they say, oh, it's not fair to Sakurai, it's not fair to the devs, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, just stop, listen. It doesn't matter if Sakurai didn't choose to sabotage esports. He is working for Nintendo. It doesn't matter. Even though it's, yes, I get it. It's his hard work to make the game and whatever. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, when you support Nintendo's new DLC, when you buy it, when you hype it up online. You're the devil. It, it, Nintendo is able to just skirt away all that bad PR that was going, that was coming up from their bad decisions. And now you're just left with. It's as if nothing ever happened. It doesn't matter if you have like reasons in your head, be like, oh, well, I don't want to like be mean to Sakurai or whatever. It's like, no, it's you're supporting the company that you were actively previously saying you were against their decision making. Yeah. You may as well just say not have said free melee in the first place, because what was the point if you're just going to buy their stuff and you're just going to tweet about it and watch their videos? And, and this goes for Hungrybox and Leffen. And all these people, I, I know that some of them mentioned the free melee stuff in their Sephiroth reveal videos, but they all these big Smash influencers just jumped on the money train with Nintendo, and they're setting the precedent. They're showing all their fans, hey, don't don't worry about free melee because nothing's gonna change. Every day, my rant, rant ended. <laughs> every day I wake up wondering what would Sakurai do. Mm -hmm. These Nintendo yeah, fans. These ultimate fans, they are, I think there's a big distinction between them and, I mean, if this wasn't obvious already, between them and the Melee melee players, not just in the game that they play, but also in their consumerist habits, I would say, too. You know, I don't think it's as common for very hardcore Melee players to just be like, all right, let's just buy whatever new shit Nintendo puts out. Let's just check out the new DLC. You know, most, I feel like most Melee players don't really care about new DLC. Um, I mean, some of them do, right? Of course, I don't want to say all of them. But um, there's, a, there's a difference, I think. And maybe it's a generational difference because some of the Melee players tend to be older. The old, a lot of the Ultimate players that I know are like, you know, in their late teens or early 20s or whatever. And I think they just don't care as much. But I saw on Twitter, like some guy that I know, kind of like a, a friend of mine, um, he was like, he had a screen, he had like a picture of his monitor or his TV that had the DLC uh, price, like he was about to buy it. And then it said, uh, hashtag free melee and fuck Nintendo, but I got to get this one or something like that. <laughs> and yeah, it was and like, come like a perfect, on, man. like. That, that sums it up perfectly, in my opinion. It's, it's just like, yeah, man, I'm really upset about what intent you guys did, but I'm not going to, like, change anything about my support for you. I'm just going to keep blindly following. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't even really agree with what you were saying about the Melee versus Smash 4. Like, yes, Smash 4, Smash Ultimate. Uh, like, yeah, obviously, there's a bunch of Melee people who probably don't play Smash Ultimate and thus don't care about the new DLC that much just simply as a byproduct of being apathetic. But I do think that those pe same people will find other ways to continue supporting Nintendo and do absolutely nothing about, you know, 
I don't know, the cause that they that they feel, supposedly feel so passionate about. Mm. Like, now, like, I'm not saying you have to boycott Nintendo. There's other things you could do, but I don't know. Just show up to their headquarters. Fucking backbone, goddamn. <laughs> you know, picket signs, protests, block their highways. I don't know what what it is. Just the thing is that as far as I can tell, when a situation like this. You, you only thing you have to fight against a big company like Nintendo is bad PR, and if you give up on that, yeah, then what what is what what was the point of anything? Right, right. Like at least if you gave a very sour response to the Sephiroth reveal, it would have even if obviously there's still going to be a lot of people buying it, right? But if that was the public's response or like a you know a sizable chunk of their their core fan base's response. Nintendo would be, I think they would be a little bit on edge. They would be a little bit like, oh shit, okay, we really fucked up. You know what I mean? Because then it's Absolutely. like following them. But now it's like, oh, we can it's just like an impact. Yeah, we, now we could just put out a new character on this other game, anyways. Oh, see, no one even cares about melee. It's just those weird fanatic pedophiles is probably what they're thinking. Even though, <laughs> well, I don't know if they're thinking that, but uh, even though those are the ultimate players, it that way. yeah, yeah, that, that whatever. Not gonna get not gonna that, get into but... that. That's another <laughs> podcast entirely. But I think this issue is, uh, I see this everywhere. And like with Amazon, with any major company that most people think have really bad business practices, like in a way, we're all a little bit of hypocrites in this regard, right? That's that's the other side of this. Sure. We like, there's a, you can make the argument that uh, every company is bad. It's not just Nintendo. And that's true. It's absolutely true. I do there then there but it's like I don't know. Where do you draw the line there, maybe, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is because certain products are like more essential than others. Like there's no ethical way as far as I'm aware to purchase a cell phone because they all include like some Chinese labor. More yeah, like immoral practices in the manufacturing process. But like are you just not going to have a cell phone? Like I don't know if right. that's realistic. But not getting the new Smash character is very realistic. So it's like when the line is so easy to draw in a situation like that, I think people should be doing it. That's a fair point. And we, we saw it. It's not even unique to like the Smash community because we definitely saw it with Pokemon early like last year or whenever it was that it came out. I remember people were so upset about how lackluster the new Pokemon game was go- turning out to be and how Game Freak was just getting away with basically doing almost nothing. And it like sold out like basically instantly. It made, I got it made that no one. difference. I got that game, but I'll, yeah, you, I gave you it a it. chance. You know, I didn't. I wanted to give it a chance. Uh, I'll say that chance? it was disappointing, lackluster, unambitious, milk toast. Not good. Human garbage. Yeah. So yeah, Pokemon I'm... is in the dredges right now. And I'm also seeing uh, firsthand similar behavior right now. I just put out a video on Star Citizen two days ago. Uh, For those that don't know, Star Citizen is like this crazy MMO game that's been in production for... Decades. Roughly 10 years. About, like, technically production started at 2010 on the original concept, and they had a Kickstarter. They've raised millions and millions of dollars. They don't have a game. They just have an alpha right now. And they've had only an alpha for like five years at this point. The, the the game is a total, like the production is a total mess. Like it's the kind of thing where theoretically if there was infinite time to make it, it'll eventually be made. But it's just such a mess. Like if you thought Cyberpunk was like, uh, was problematic, like get ready for there's this nothing one. on Star Citizen. Yeah. And, but the people I, right now the video is really being recommended to Star Citizen fans because it's like really hitting on the YouTube search and my god the comments i've been getting i have i have like hundreds of comments that are like can you can you read some of them out do- while i uh explain the phenomenon of the of why these comments are happening in my eyes sure let me look through them okay so basically we have a jonestown like situation with star citizen <laughs> where it's developed this cult like following and people i think it's partially people are so invested that they don't they're like in denial that this is basically a giant pyramid scheme and they will lash out at you i mean you were you read one to me the other night where it was like a paragraph i'll read that one i'm going to look for that yeah one. that one was a doozy 
And I didn't even read it all to you. Just people drinking the Star Citizen Kool Aid, sipping that up, getting drunk off it. It's pretty uh, culty. Okay, like, I'm going to say this. I want to make a distinction for the sake of the people who support the game. There are people who support the game, even though it's been probably like a, a problematic development cycle, who are not crazy, who are not deluded. They just really like what it promises and believe that it will eventually be made. And that's what. So they're, they're willing to stick by it and support it. But then there are people who will just completely mental gymnastics their way into believing that the game that there's been no wrong done at all and that it's it's totally normal and justifiable that the things have worked out the way they have if i could just find this one i want to find this guy his name is maybe i should we should beep that out. i don't know we're gonna beep that out his name is redacted um but if you go to sam's comment section slush's comment section on the star citizen video you are gonna find a plethora of these kooky you'll people. find this guy commenting on every single comment yeah so i guess at that point we might as well just give him the attention he wants <laughs> we're bleeping that out too i actually cannot find his original comment i can only find his like response comments okay well just read like one of them yeah out. maybe one i don't know which one to read it's i didn't plan this so oh. well okay whatever the the comment I'll keep looking for it. We'll what edit that point in post. Is, sure. Regardless, is the point I'm trying to make is that you have these people who are are uh, they're like attached to the company Cloud Imperium Games and its developer lead guy Chris Roberts, uh, in in a way that is just not healthy at all. It it resembles like Stan culture. It's the best way I could really sum it up. It's this like putting something on a pedestal and viewing it as if it could do no wrong kind of thing. And I, I like, I, I don't think, first of all, I think stand culture is horrible. It shouldn't exist for people in general, but I can understand it more when someone stands an artist than I can when someone stands a company. <laughs> it, that shit is so fucking like dystopian to me it's crazy. oh yeah that's the next wave that's the second wave stand culture i think that we're on the precipice of people i think nintendo has that back to what we were saying yes about nintendo. they do they absolutely do yeah for sure uh there's a few other companies that do that i'm trying to think ikea apple has it maybe apple yeah um there's a lot of companies that have it right that's a troublesome thing Ooh, companies are like the new celebrities that's the future um, so we made all these great videos and I wanted to ask ourselves, where are we at? Where's our creative process at? Um, uh, I was alluding to this a little bit earlier. I think I need to just not be such a lazy procrastinating gamer dopamine filled fuck and get more focused. I don't know how exactly I'm going to get there, but I, that is the goal. That is what I'm lacking. But my, I'm working on a video right now, for example, about identity and, I want it to be kind of like more off the cuff, recording myself talking into the camera, cool location maybe. And like, I don't know, just like a quick thing to put together that um, that can do decently well or just whatever, at least be, be entertaining or, or interesting rather than like, I don't know. I think when I, sometimes I've, I've been getting too into content that is very scripted and heavily written and like planned out and it's about the specific topic and like, it just gets a little uh, bogged down with scriptedness. I, I mean, I feel that. I don't think the specific topic thing is so much of the issue of what you're describing, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Because mm. I think you and I both uh, had that. Like, I, I'm not doing it right now so much for the first time in my YouTube career, but for the most part, I've been exactly like you're describing. And we both have this sort of like, we're very ambitious and we want to have like, magnum opus style content all the time mm. and we get we end up with these uh videos that take months to make so what is what have you been changing i mean obviously i know but like you've kind of changed that up yeah so uh in october i had just put out a video that took me like three months to make or something like that and i it performed terribly i actually don't know why i thought that it had a really bang and thumbnail and title and people who watched it liked it but, you know, such is the algorithm. But it totally failed. And 
I was had been growing increasingly frustrated over my YouTube career with the fact that I was unable I I had been basically unable to build a a following for my channel. It was more like I kept attracting different audiences for specific videos, but then they wouldn't stick with me. So I one day decided to do a video just venting about it and defining and talking about my definition of success on YouTube. And I did it in like a week, which I never do. Videos usually take me months. And then when I did that, I was like, if I could do that in a week and it was a good video, why can't, why don't I just keep doing that? <laughs> and so I just try, I was just like, okay, fuck it. You have two or three days to write a script tops. So you better finish it within that time. And then as soon as I finished the script, it was just get to fucking work, start, just make it, just fucking make it. And I, I, I granted, I'm obsessing a little bit less on quality, and I do think that it doesn't visually, like, stand... It's maybe not quite as impressive as my other videos, but it's still good, and I don't think that that's even the most important thing of a video anyways. And anyways, since I've been doing that, uh, I've, I've been able to get out, like, five videos in the last two months, and it feels really good. Content, it's, baby. It's, it feels really good to invest like have a video that you invested like two and a half to three weeks in because when it, if the video like that fails even if it's a good video it doesn't feel so shitty so because it's like it's there's a difference when it's like you spent three months and then it, it just flopped and then you yeah. spent two and a half weeks and it flopped yep um, and totally. i also think that doing this has sort of uh contributed to a more i don't know rant there, I, I feel like I'm getting more personal in my videos because yeah. I'm writing them faster. I don't know. That's well. That's also an intentional decision. So whatever. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of experienced a similar thing. Hopefully, I can keep my streak going uh, with this next video. But uh, yeah, I worked probably around three months on the VTubers video, and I was really convinced that oh man, like this is my next big video. Like this is gonna be huge. I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve on this one. And, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I, yeah, I did the whole re-uploading it three times or whatever the fuck, but, yeah. you know, granted, and neither of the times I uploaded, it, it was really popping off quite yet and, uh, and whatever. And so that one's kind of like, uh, you know, a little bit of a flop and that's, so that sucks because I spent that much time. And then I spent about a month or less actually, like probably like three weeks on, this video I made that just recently on deep fakes and artificial intelligence and all that. Um, Which was a great video, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, and I'm happy with how it turned out. And I think people liked it even more than the VTubers one. Uh, it's, you know, it didn't do great, but it's actually doing better than my VTubers one. And I spent way less time. So yeah, like I, th I think me and you have both learned um, our way of making. I mean, obviously we still value quality. I think we still both want to be ambitious and have those bigger projects, but yeah. it feels really, uh, it just, it's just, it's just not the right way to go about it. When every video is a big project, every video is multiple months. Um, yeah. YouTube is not designed for that. I mean, people, people do get away with it. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. There are people who do it, but, and, and it works for different reasons for them. But if you're not them, it's really difficult to get to that point. And I think that it, YouTube is not designed to be that way. Like they purposely have built the algorithm and such so that people are uploading more frequently. And I mean, we even see it with Dunky right now. He's doing this. I, I think he finally stopped, <laughs> thank God. But he did like a week and a half of daily uploads just because he was pretty much to make fun of all the like, brain dead gaming channels that upload every day among us yeah. every fucking day or whatever yeah and we saw he posted on twitter his like viewership and everything was up like 400 percent. yeah he's killing it and i could see why too because his videos are funny and entertaining even when they're just quickly made like that he i mean he yeah yeah donkey has a great formula i would be curious to see what he does with his channel because uh, he knows now he could just do really low effort stuff by comparison and kind of, you know. I think that he probably doesn't want to do low effort stuff. I think he enjoys doing uh, better videos. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I would I would guess. Do you think uh, creativity is a finite resource? 
Because that's kind of what yeah. it feels like. I'm, I don't know. I, I, I agree that it's not, but also I think when you're like, if I was making multiple videos in a row that are like two months and they have to be this cre- creative, ambitious thing, I don't know if I could really put out consistently good things doing that. You know, I think you right. need to give it a break, give that creativity a break. Sure. But, uh, it's more like a I see view of that more as like a rechargeable battery that never ever dies if you as long as you keep recharging it. Mm, I like that. You know I, I mean? like that analogy. It's like, it's like you can always refill it type of thing. So, but yeah, I I do. There's burnout is very much a real thing and can cause even if you don't feel burnt out, like you could start making like worse decisions and not notice that your quality of your output is dropping because you're you're getting burnt out. Mm. That's very much a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I do worry that like uh, you know doing a video every two weeks for like a year is gonna lead to some kind of burnout too. So Twitch banned, or is now banning over the <laughs> use of the words. That was a hard transition. Incel right there. simp. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was a hard transition for Twitch to go from, you know, basically vilifying these types of people, but then realizing, hey, we're getting all of our money from incels, simps, and virgins. So maybe we should put in some rules to protect them. And uh, like I saw someone on Twitter said, uh, Twitter or Twitch is saying that these guys are now a protected class or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because where do you think they're getting their money from? This is a decision that, curiously enough, I think most streamers are against, and some viewers are too, uh, like outsiders, whatever. Because, I mean, when a woman gets harassed on Twitch, as they, I'm sure, often do by uh, creepy men or whatever in their DMs and shit, you know, their go-to term to these types of people is virgin, simp, incel, any combination of those. So I I think, like, uh, what's her name? Minx, just a Minx, was banned. Some She's a girl streamer who's popular. She was banned for seven days because she said these words. Even though Twitch said... Really? Yeah. I thought... January was yeah yeah that, that's when they're supposed to enforce enforce it but she just said it like I guess as a joke after this announcement and then got banned uh Wait, what? yeah no Twitch is totally inconsistent and insane that's so fucking stupid and this whole thing well actually I don't know this is the topic of your next video so maybe it's a spoiler but I mean yeah oh you're the this whole thing is is kind of a smoke screen I'll just say that yeah I mean yeah you know, Twitch used Whatever. smoke I guess screen. You put, her, you put it out there uh, already, so we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm doing my uh, a quick rant of a video. It should be like a five minute video where I just wanted to say that like this Fuck whole Twitch. thing with Twitch banning <laughs> simp and virgin is just a distraction to get you talking about some stupid shit. Well, and not focused on the real problem, which is DMCA's. True, but we'll get. We're not going to go deep into it here because fuck you guys. I want to make a video about it and tease you. You know what you should do? <laughs> you should just make a video like your Nintendo one for every company and they all end on fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Flipping them off. And then fuck X company in the background. Yeah. Like just on my whiteboard. Yeah. And you'll just be known as like the the guy who calls out companies. Company cop. Yeah, that'll be a great reputation for me. <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if this is my fuck you to companies, but I am, I think I'm pretty solid right now in my anti-sponsorship thing because whenever I see other YouTubers doing it and they're like, okay, here's our, you know, uh, Barrett gold, Barrett gold, you know, nobody says that it's like Ben Shapiro or something, but, um, what do they fucking say? You know, uh, the fuck is Barrett gold, <laughs> Ray Con, Ray earbuds or, uh, yeah. Shadowland shadow legends. And they all speak like 1930s radio hosts. <laughs> I think you guys hear about these Raycon earbuds. Every time I see other YouTubers with comparable size, like not huge ones. I'm like, you know like what? 100K. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's my advantage over competition is that. None of my videos will break the immersion with this bullshit, annoying, sponsored ad read. And I know some people do good ones, whatever. I don't care. I personally just find it a waste of time and annoying most of the time. So I don't want to do them. And I hope, 
I don't know. Maybe it's kind of a risk, but I hope that my viewers or whatever viewers I, I eventually get will appreciate that and be like, you know what? I like Glink because he doesn't do that. He puts in the extra effort to make it non You probably will um, get people who respect it, especially if you're doing things like this where you're making it known that you specifically don't like having sponsors mm. and that like you just sell your own merch instead or whatever. However, I'm not going to hold it against any YouTubers who do the sponsored stuff because... It's not like YouTube pays well, you know. I have like videos that have been out for months that I've made like twenty dollars on. So yeah, like, no, I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah, you got to get your bread. I don't blame them at all, you know. But yeah, I also do at the same time agree that I prefer a video where I don't have the ad read in it because it does break the immersion, and I usually end up having to like skip it manually. Something uh, that I've been talking with you about a lot and that I've been trying to answer myself is what exactly makes a good video. And cause I, cause we were talking about how the, you know, we're putting in all this effort and you know, these months long stuff. I think the, it's like, I used to think, Oh, you just got to have enough, uh, like good information or, um, you know, I used to try to go the comedy angle too, uh, like try to sell my videos on being comedically funny, which sometimes I think I was successful on and, I think, well, I think that is a good angle. I think there are many good angles. And I think that you have a lot of funny videos that do a great job at that. Personally, at least, I think. That. Yeah. But I think like it's um, what makes a good, like one thing, what makes a good script, okay, for example, is you got to have a story. You got to really have a good story that ends up uh, paying off and keeps you engaged the whole time. And I've had times when I'm making a video and there's just a lot of information and some of it, and it's all individually interesting. Maybe it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. But it's very scattered. It's very scattered. Like that's kind of how I feel like my VTubers video was. Uh, and what, and then when I'm watching certain videos, I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Like it's so engaging. What's going to happen next? That's the kind of, that's like a good script. That's a good video of that style. So uh, I think we're both trying to figure out like re redefining what makes a good video for, for our channels and like how we can uh, do that without spending Honestly, months and months. I, I feel like I've figured it out. Maybe I'm just, that's like arrogant to okay, me to say. Hit me with it. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm basically saying what you've already said, but it just seems to me that like, it's all about having uh, like a through line, which is what Oki uh, it, that came from Oki's criticism, and he's so right about it. Is it's all about like everything has to like naturally progress from one, from point A to point B, and it has to it has to like make sense. It has to be a story. That's what people identify with. People identify with stories, mm -hmm. and I think that as long as it's very focused in that sense in the script, you have a good video. I think that stuff like editing, while I care about it, and I go out of my way to make it look nice is actually probably not that important. Yeah. That's the, that's the real, uh, whatever you want to call it, red pill, black pill, white pill, even could be good depending on how you view it. But that's something I've learned. I was kind of getting deep into editing myself and you were in some ways even deeper than me in terms of like spending 20 hours on like one really nice looking slick transition or edit or whatever. <laughs> like, I wish it was 20 hours and I, it's 40 hours. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, the, the wave edit, right? Yeah. That stuff Anyways. is uh, really cool. And I think I, I kind of wish there was more of a um, audience for that. like, and, and also not just for editing, but also things like cinematography or filming and stuff. Because I do a bit of that. Like I try to film stuff or whatever. Not that I'm great. But, um, but I think that stuff does not really matter. I think a huge portion of people, they just want. The, the information, the content itself is what matters. and as, They're not even looking at the screen. Yeah, a lot of people don't, they're, don't they're even look. They're just listening to it. Unless it's like... Uh, but then, of course, there are people, there are YouTubers who are known for having like a visually impressive style. And I think that when people sit down to watch those videos, they'll actually look at the screen and they'll be pay attention and take it all in. Yeah. So I do think that like nice editing and all that stuff helps to like elevate the final product into like another level. But to just reach that level of like, this is good quality content, 
it's not actually necessary. No, and it's and sometimes it can be a rabbit hole of at least with me where it's like okay, I, if as long as I make this thing look look visually really cool and, and whatever, um, or even like people will audioly, like yeah, and it's like no, you gotta have that's not that's that's the secondary thing. Like someone like Donkey, I mean, he puts. You know, he has decent edits like they're not they're actually sometimes pretty funny and clever and whatnot, but they're pretty basic. Like he's not doing anything flashy, not elaborate. Yeah. And you don't need to. And and uh, even someone like, um, yeah, like I can't even think of a channel that has what's the channel that does heavy editing that, that you watch. Captain Christian. OK, yeah, but he hasn't uploaded in a year so. Well, he's probably editing his next video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, the, the case in point, you know, so it's like. He, uh, that's the problem is it just takes so fucking long too but at the same time like somebody like mouthy buddha who has like such phenomenal editing and sound design like i wouldn't have it any other way i like love how quality his videos are and it's like so worth it mm. to like it, it's so satisfying when he comes out with a new video and it's like yes like obviously uh, if the topic is uninteresting that's a different story and that's kind of what we're saying with the topic and the writing is most important but man, it's like such an experience, like when he when he really puts out a good video. So I don't know. Yeah, there is a point where when the quality gets so good and so high production to where it's like basically a movie that at yeah. that point. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be compelling enough, at least for me, I guess for some people, they still don't care. But for me, it's it's worth it for sure. I think that's why uh, my new philosophy is like I want to put out these shorter videos these poppier videos so if you will but at the same time i want to be like working on that next big great video in the background slowly and release it whenever it's ready so that way it's like yeah i'm still getting i'm still fulfilling myself with the desire to make something creatively great while also continuing to put out quality content on the channel regularly yeah i think that's the way to go in fact Definitely. Yeah. Like have the big projects occasionally in the background, get people hyped for it, but keep a steady stream of content in the meantime, for sure. That's, and that's kind of what this podcast is for, <laughs> but you know, going back sort of. to the start of it, you know, we haven't had an episode in a while. And I think that's because, uh, I think we've been wrapped up in our own videos. We've been wrapped up in our own videos, but also I'm bad with being punctual and scheduling and, uh, setting aside yeah. time. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you're probably, you're, you're a bit better than me, but I don't think either of us are amazing so. at it. I don't think I'm amazing at it, but I do think I'm significantly better at it than you are. Oh, easy. Significantly. Okay. I would say so. Yes. Shit. Okay. I, I do think so. I'm more like, uh, stay at home, watch know, TV kind of guy committed to a schedule than you are. Yeah. In in general, like the way I live my life, I think. Hmm. Like it's more it's like I'm generally waking up at the same time every day. I'm generally starting work at the same time every day and finishing at the same time every more day. More consistent. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier for me to be like, "Oh, okay. Well, this time works for me and I will be there." Yeah. I'm very uh spur of the moment. Even when editing, sometimes very spontaneous. Yeah, like sometimes I'll get carried away in a I don't know, it's like a direction to take my video, and I think sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it's like, what the fuck? Like I showed you my script for the for the deepfakes video, and the original version, the conclusion was completely talking about the song "Strawberry Fields Forever," <laughs> and I like was dissecting the lyrics and like talking about you know when John Lennon made this song. He wasn't actually talking about deepfakes, obviously. He was talking about uh, the strawberry field and the orphanage. And just like how I'm drawing interpretation from that, maybe in the future, interpretation is the guiding force for humanity when we can't trust anything we see because deepfakes, you know, are all are all tricking us. And you were like, um, yeah, that was good. But I just don't like know if that's going to flow well. <laughs> well, it was just like that was interesting but felt so like you went on such a, sh a long spiel about strawberry fields before getting to like the rap, the bringing it back. Yeah, around it was more lengthy than that. Yeah. That was just a yeah, quick it summary. Was, it was like, wow, I just listened to like five minutes of strawberry fields analysis <laughs> at the end of this deep fake script. And I'm so confused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so stuff like that is, you know, too much of a left turn, but 
yeah it's a healthy balance kind of thing right totally i don't think it's i don't think that uh it's to be too rigid you know li- like i'm saying that i live a, like a, a pretty similar schedule but i think that like forcing yourself to live by a schedule constantly all the time is bad too mm-hmm. Cause then you need to be spontaneous. Sometimes you you you're literally gonna lack the ability to be spontaneous by doing that by forcing yourself to live so rigidly. Yeah, spontaneity and creativity seems to be linked, and scheduling and uh, or like routine and productivity, I think, are also linked. Uh, and yeah. like you said, you want to balance both. Um, but you know, the the people who are too productive, or in a way, like I think oftentimes they don't have great ideas at least like big picture ideas you know they're kind of just mm-hmm. more like the getting stuff done and then the you know the, the people who are way up in the clouds that they, they have the other issue where they're not getting anything into reality they're just it's all in their head it's kind of like that uh you and i watched a video yesterday of sam hyde and he was talking he was answering questions that people had asked him mm-hmm. and one of the questions was from a person who was interested in becoming a filmmaker and he was saying that you know People think that they want to be a director. They see all these movies and they think, oh, I have such great ideas. But they don't realize that being a director is all about managing. It's all time management. It's about setting a schedule for all the different people working on the movie. Managing people. And managing their times. And it's all this like non-creative, boring <laughs> stuff that they don't think is what it's about. And But that's why a great filmmaker is able to do both that and bring this creative vision mm. to light. And I think it's a similar thing with any creative endeavor, whether it's YouTube videos or wherever, is you have to be able to have the creative juices flowing and the vision, and you have to have the discipline to bring it to life. Yeah. Because that it's the two skill sets coming together that really make the final product. You know, for some reason, as you were describing that, I just kind of visually was thinking about JonTron with a uh, like that director's beret or whatever sitting in a director's chair and i was thinking you know what i bet john tron like i feel like i I was was watching one of his latest videos and i was like ah you know what he's his content's kind of stale now like that's what i was thinking i i agree yeah and i was like you know what he'd probably be better as a director at like what you're describing as like bringing uh you know an idea together and like having someone else be the face of it um like some people are just a better fit for that and then some people are um like the more of the the kind of artistic uh or you know actors i guess are somewhat artistic too because they're the ones really portraying the maybe like a cinematographer yeah yeah something like that um but no that that was good advice though for sure and like yeah it's kind of funny because sam hyde i don't really i don't i'm not like on his gum road or whatever but no he has this this thing called hide wars and i guess he takes questions from people and it's it's funny how a lot of what he talks about is like very applicable to YouTubers. Uh, well, it makes sense, right? Because he was a YouTuber. Yeah. And so he's quite experienced and, and is speaking from that lens. Right. And and he just kind of goes into a lot of things. Like there was this video where he's talking about procrastination. And that's kind of why I brought up the whole uh, dopamine thing. Because he's like saying, you know, people just will... Uh, you'll just get so absorbed in a, in a game or in your phone or whatever that you'll just completely lose track of time. And then you have this like needs to like, I need to reward myself with playing a game now. And I totally, I feel that way. I do feel that way. And it's not even, it's almost like a fixation thing for me when we're just, when me and you and and some of our other friends are just talking in a call, it's not even like I'm engaged in the game I'm playing. It's almost just like, keep my hands busy. I don't know if you feel that way too. I understand what you're saying though. I don't, I like. I don't think I'm uh, doing. I I don't actively do that. Like I, I sometimes I play, I'm playing like a melee when we're on yeah. call, but I find that melee is the kind of game that you really have to pay attention to. So it's it becomes more than just keeping my hands busy. Yeah, right. Well, that's a yeah. Your hands are super busy and your mind is super busy with with that kind of game. Yeah, but I do know what you're saying. Like there are things that I do that I'm not actually like. I'm not actually like really in it. I'm just like on the surface level doing it, mm. you know, and it's just like this unnecessary added like dopamine, like you're saying. It's like sometimes I'll I'll uh, I have like a TV in my room, 
and sometimes I'll just like put on Chromecast of like something that I'm not even watching, mm. but like somehow I'm taking pleasure from the fact that it's like on the screen, and every so often I can glance at it. Whoa! I feel yeah. like it's similar. Uh, yeah, people do that. People do that with Netflix, with other things for sure. I don't. I don't have a TV, but I'll have us. I'll put a YouTube video on my second monitor almost any time. I'm. I'm like playing a game or something uh so fucking stupid but yeah it's just stupid shit like that where i'm just immersing myself in this uh matrixy world of entertainment from all angles yeah not good screens everywhere yeah <laughs> yeah i'm thinking about such as the modern life tell me if you think this is a good idea i mean i guess i'll find out because i think i'm going to do it anyways but th this is like where my head's at i think what i'm going to do is it's kind of a nice sunny day right now i'm going to go out to this location in in uh, the, the desert and film myself just just kind of ranting about my next video topic and then I'm gonna cut that I'm and like in other words I don't want it to be scripted when I'm talking to the camera yeah you want it off the cuff. I want it off the cuff and then just cut that to the to the best parts um, do you think that's how people like Sneeko do it and other people or do you think that they put like do you think they are scripting it and memorizing it because I can't tell actually if they're doing it off the cuff or memorizing it. That's that's the beauty of YouTube, right? It's all about selling an illusion. Mm. Um, well, I mean, not always, but a lot of the time, people are doing that. But I think that Sneeko is not scripting it, but thinking deeply beforehand about what he wants to talk about. Yeah. Okay. And probably does a lot of takes. Yeah. I would imagine. Oh yeah, definitely. Probably like cuts out a lot of stuff. But try it. I mean, the only way you're going to find out is by trying it. And I think it's a good idea. I do think it's yeah, good. Yeah, I'll try it. And, you know, you might not say everything you end up wanting to say today. But then you can always just go somewhere else and film hmm. other stuff you want to say. And then just have both locations in your video. Like, Right. I think it could be cool if you edit it in a cool way. Yeah. Okay. I'll try that in a bit. Um, I, on the other hand, have... A certain friend of ours uh -oh. has uh, been trying to convince me to start a TikTok. And I was thinking of maybe like doing one minute like rants on TikTok about like like this Nintendo consumerism shit and stuff like oh, that. Oh, really? I was hoping it was going to be videos of you lip syncing Weezer and dancing to, to it. I don't need to lip sync it. I can just sing yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. I'll just only do the demos. <laughs> So I seem really hipster and cool. Um, one minute rants. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that on, like, not on TikTok, but like reposted on Twitter and shit. Um, apparently, who is it? Somebody was telling me that there is just straight up like lunatic ideologies being espoused on TikTok. Um, oh yeah, I've heard about that too. Like actually. just fucking insane. <laughs> like if you thought Twitter was bad, it's like way worse on TikTok. Apparently, I wish I could give you an example, but. It's just like like those types of videos though, where people are ranting about something and then they're just completely, um, I don't know, they're just like completely off the deep end. They're going off the deep end. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> that concerns me. Yeah. When when someone says that TikTok is worse than Twitter for like that kind of stuff, that concerns me because TikTok is a younger demographic, which means that it's only getting worse with each generation. Apparently, I thought it was. I heard you know that like the generation after millennials gen z was supposedly like supposedly based. a little bit more traditional not traditional but like more in that direction yeah more based if you will than millennials i think they are uh, i think they are slightly like they're slightly more but i don't think it's like a complete pendulum shift you know yeah well i mean i don't care for a complete pendulum shift because then it would just be extreme yeah. in the other direction but i think um younger yeah. people are well i'll just put it this way you know the millennials right now who are these kind of maybe the types who are who are a little bit too extreme with certain things or or whatever um whatever their stances are the same thing is going to happen that happened with boomers which is when they have kids and the kids feel like they had a shitty upbringing or shitty parents i think their form of rebellion their form of rejecting that is going to be the opposite of whatever their parents thought or their parents uh said which might end up being a return to more like i guess traditional things or um 
That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think that's coming. It was like, oh, the kids will be like, oh, I don't want to be like adults, which is cringe and super like social justice warrior yeah. So I'm going to be purposely edgy. I think that's like, coming. That was the dream. That was my dream right there. I was like, yes, bring back edginess. Fuck social yeah. justice warrior ideology. <laughs> I think ne- next, when this current set of kids grows up, that's what's coming. You know, when the kids who've been like wearing, you know, um, masks all day at school and the zoom calls and whatever and they grow up like man you know fuck zoom calls fuck school like i want to go um you know play smash brothers or whatever with my friends they're gonna grow up and be like yeah fuck amazon and fuck soy fuck amazon i'm gonna go say the r word with my friends yeah exactly it's like the new smoking weed is just saying retard over and over in a corner <laughs> you guys want to go to my parents house and say retard nightmare first? nightmare nightmare <laughs> i do believe that um over time in general culturally that things do just actually like the, it is a pendulum that swings and that like it's just inevitable that it'll always be swinging back and forth for the rest of time until humanity is done kind of thing <laughs> yes and maybe that's like a, a an integral to balance i don't know I think so. I think it's like the avatar cycle because you need, it starts out, you know, everything's in disarray. Then the avatar brings balance. Then the, then you lose that avatar and then you find a new one who has to find their balance in themselves first in the world. And we're watching avatar legend of Korra. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, if I, I got, uh, Greg or Glink into, uh, I kept telling him he has to see Avatar, he has to see Avatar, and uh, finally got him to start watching, and we watched Last Airbender, he loved it, and then now we're we're just on the last season of Korra, and he's liking it quite a bit too. Yeah, Korra has uh, surprisingly very relevant, like, big recommendation to anyone out there, if you want relevant political uh, commentary, I guess, or like, um, yeah, like like commentary, art, whatever you want to call it. Legend of Korra has surprisingly very like accurate depictions of not only political situations and stuff like that in the past, but also in many ways, it's a mirror of what's kind of happening now. Uh, yeah. Which is creepy. It, it's like weird how yeah. correct it is. <laughs> like, especially considering that it was like, I'm pretty sure it came out long before things were the way they are now it's like they kind of noticed it happening and then like exaggerated it in the show and then it just became reality yeah because it came out like 20 like what 2014 or it ends in 2014 maybe i think it ended in 2014 when the first season which is like probably the most relevant came out in like 2010 yeah and and like you have characters in that show saying like complaining they're like oh you're oppressing me <laughs> and then the other one goes no you're just oppressing yourself yeah. Like that that's a conversation on Twitter in 2020. 100%. 10 years later. Yeah, uh, it's uh it's a very like politically relevant show. It's good. And I think it also not just that. It all, it also talks a lot about which like mental health and stuff like that, which I also think is very relevant. So, uh hits the nail yeah. on the head in multiple ways with that, which is and the characters are are good, good character building, good good writing. Probably going to get some backlash for this because a lot of people Yeah, I was really so surprised because I'd always heard, even before watching Avatar, I'd always heard people like kind of giving Korra a bad a bad rap. And I, I got, there was one person who I think there was one person I know who was like, you know what? I kind of actually I like it because of the politics. And I was like, huh, that's like the first time I heard that. But everyone else was dogging on it. And yeah. I'm glad I, I actually watched it. Shout out to Bobber. Yeah. <laughs> Bobber really didn't like the show. Yeah. I, but he probably. And, and he didn't think that the best season was the best season so yeah. <clears throat> opinion invalidated i don't know yeah no it's a it's a great show uh so yeah podcast uh question of the week uh if you're if you're watching this far how many oreos do you put in your um hamburger that's the question <laughs> um well if you're american the answer is no, four Chinese, by default i don't know if you saw but they have an item in china mcdonald's that's like a it's like bun, mayonnaise, Oreo. Holy shit, I love it already. Spam. You know, spam yeah, yeah, like yeah. the fucking weird meat product. Delicious. Bun. Mm. That sounds <laughs> like like throw up at a circus venue. I, I, I feel like 
throwing up just at the thought of having mayo and Oreo together. What is the obsession with fucking Oreos? Do you like Oreos a lot? Uh, they're good. Yeah, I mean, who, who doesn't like sugar? <laughs> but like, I think, well, I think it's something else with Oreos. I think it's like the the cocoa, the crumbly like cocoa uh, exterior. I mean, cookies. I think they're good. I think that actually like low key mini Oreos are like the best form of Oreo. Mm. Those ones are really good. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a cookie. It's good. It's not like amazing. Well, I was just wondering because I'm tr- I'm trying to write the script, dissecting like the political implications of what it means to like an Oreo and like how that is a reflection of like the black and white way that people view society. This sounds like a a Seinfeld episode. It's my next video essay. Have you have you seen the black and white cookie? No, I haven't seen it. Look to the cookie, Elaine. It's a uh, Jerry goes on a whole spiel about the black and white cookie and how it's a a symbol of peace and race relations and mm. some black guy in the in the bakery is like gives him like a nice like <laughs> nod and he's like he understands <laughs> and then he eats the cookie and then like his stomach starts hurting oh shit and Lane's like oh the blacks and whites not getting along down there oh <laughs> man we're cutting this from the podcast right <laughs> we're putting yeah why not I don't care it's a Seinfeld episode I didn't write it. Cancel Larry David. No, I mean we have there's copyright infringement just for talking about just for spoiling the episode now. Oh yeah, I mean I did a uh, I said look to the cookie Elaine. So yeah, that's too know, close. That's cut. That's DMCA. We're going to jail. Yeah. Um. Well, anyways, uh, I think that wraps up pretty much everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. Next episode will be out less than a month, guaranteed. Uh, can't guarantee not guarantee any faster probably than gonna have an episode next year probably for sure yeah maybe 100% maybe an episode next year bye forever <laughs>